Thank you for checking out our sermon here at Hope Church. We're excited that you came across this message and are tuning in. We just wanna make you aware of a couple things before we get to the sermon. First, we'd love to connect with you. You can follow us on our social networks by searching at Hope Church LV. Also, be sure to check out our website, hopechurchonline.com. There, you can find out more information about who we are and where we are headed as a church. Once again, thank you for checking out our sermon here at Hope Church. Please let us know if there's any questions you have or any way we can come alongside you and your family. Enjoy the message. One of the verses in the Bible that I have come to cherish over the course of my Christian journey is Psalm chapter 9 and verse 10. And here's what the Bible says. Those who know your name will put their trust in you. The psalmist here is really talking about the character of God. So you could, you could read this verse this way. Those who know who God is will put their trust in him. It's awesome to know that the more we discover who he is, the more we will ultimately trust him. The more we understand the character, the name, the attributes of our God, the more we will learn to trust him. This summer as a church, we've really been trying to live out that verse. We've been trying to discover together who God is. We've been seeking to know who he is and how we should respond to him. And I hope for you as we've talked week after week about who God is, that it has led you to a place where you are more in love with him, more in awe of him, and that you trust him more now because you understand better who he is. We've been walking verse by verse through Psalm chapter 145 in a series that we've entitled Deep Dive. And this weekend and next weekend, we are bringing this series to a close. And then on August the 12th, we're starting a brand new verse by verse study through the New Testament book of Ephesians. So that's going to be a great journey that we're going to jump into as soon as we finish up Psalm 145 this weekend and next weekend. So if you have a copy of the scripture, would you look with me at Psalm 145? And in just a moment, I'm going to read verse 17. But before we read that verse, we've been doing something in this series that we've called the Psalm 145 Challenge. And we're seeking to memorize this psalm as we journey through it as a church. So our memory verses for last week were Psalm 145 verses 15 and 16. So I want to lead us in a time to quote those out loud together. And so if you know those this morning, I want you to say it with me. If you don't know them, I hope you feel extremely guilty. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. If you know it, say it with me. The eyes of all look to you, and you give them their food in due time. You open your hand and satisfy the desire of every living thing. Let's read that together here off the screen. The eyes of all look to you, 
and you give them their food in due time. You open your hand and satisfy the desire of every living thing. This upcoming week, we'll be memorizing verse 17 that we're about to read. It's a really short verse, so it should be very simple for you. So let's look at verse 17. Let me read it for us. The Lord is righteous in all his ways and kind in all his deeds. During our time together today, we're going to ask and answer two questions. And it's the same two questions that we've been talking about throughout this series. They're very simple, yet they're very clarifying for us as we seek to discover who God is. Here's our first question today. What does this verse tell us about God? What does verse 17 tell us about who God is? Well, here's the first thing the verse tells us. God is righteous. God is righteous. The word righteous means just, right, and lawful. I don't know about you, but this idea of righteousness is not something that I think about a lot just in my normal, everyday life. So to really get my head around it from a standpoint of it's who God is, um, I have to think a little bit. And I was reading this week in a book by A.W. Tozer called The Attributes of God. And he made a statement that was very clarifying for me as I think about the righteousness of God. And I want to read it for us today. Here's what he wrote. God being perfect is incapable of either loss or gain. He is incapable of getting larger or being smaller. He's incapable of knowing more or knowing less. God is simply God. And God acts justly from within, not in obedience to some imaginary law. He is the author of all the laws and acts like himself all the time. Then he wrote this about us as humans. We've been lied to, cheated, betrayed, and deceived so much by even those we look up to and respect that we've come to project our cynicism To the very throne of God. And unknown to us, we have written, we have within our minds a feeling that God is like that too. Let me tell you that God always acts like Himself. So here's how I want us to think about righteousness, the standard of God today. Because of His unchanging nature, God does not fold under peer pressure. His standards are not swayed by circumstances, and his mind is not sharpened by experience over time. He is who he is, and that will never change. He has been righteous from eternity, and he will be righteous for eternity. His standard is unchanging. And here's a biblical reality that shows us how we understand his righteousness. God's righteousness is displayed through his word and his ways. God is who he is. But how do we understand who he is? Well, we do it in two ways. By looking at his word and by observing his ways. First of all, the scripture tells us that he is righteous. As a church, here's what we believe. 
We believe that this book is the word of God. It's inspired, it's perfect, it's inerrant, that these words are God's words. And so when there's something in this book that describes God, it is what God is saying about himself. And there's a couple of verses I want to read for us that really communicate to us about the righteousness of God. One of those is in Psalm chapter 19. Scripture says, the judgments of the Lord are true. They are righteous altogether. Everything about the judgments of God reflect his righteousness. Another verse is in Psalm 97. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of his throne. According to these verses, everything about God is marked by righteousness. God's righteous. But we not only know that because of his word, we also are able to observe his ways. Our text for today says, the Lord is righteous in all his ways. The word ways is a word that means rightness in manner and being. I want us to recognize today that the standards God has established are right for every single situation in life. Think about that. The standards, the righteous standards of God are right for every single situation in life. He knows everything. He sees everything. He understands everything. So when he acts or when he speaks, it is always the best and it is always the wisest. You see, because God is righteous, his way is the best way. Because God is righteous, his way is the best way. God's ways reveal to us how life is to be lived. The ways of God, the righteous standards of God reveal to us as humanity how life is supposed to be lived. A great example of that is something we all have heard of, the Ten Commandments. God gave his people the Ten Commandments. And when he gave those to us, he was clarifying how life is to be lived according to his righteous standard. He was not giving us those commandments to rob us of life. He was giving us those commandments to clarify how life is supposed to be lived. And as we read through the scripture... And we see the law of God, the commands of God, the statutes of God. He is clarifying for us how life is to be lived. Look at this statement on the screen. God's laws are not given because he is out to get us. They are given because he knows what is best for us. You see, God is righteous. And when he tells us through his word, not to do something. In essence, he's saying, don't hurt yourself. But in the same way, when he says, you should do this, here's what he's saying. Help yourself. And he's doing it from a standard of righteousness that ultimately knows what is best. So here's a, here's a way we can apply that today. God always knows what is best for me. In every situation, 
and circumstance. God always knows what is best for me. My daughter Scarlett is um, entering into kindergarten this fall. And so she's at a place in life where we can have meaningful conversation. Like we can actually talk about stuff. And there'll be times throughout the week when she'll come to me and she'll ask me for a certain dessert or that she wants to watch Netflix or something on television. And as her dad, in some moments, not all of them, I have to tell her, Scarlett, no. And when I say that, that's when the emotions arise. And here, here's what, about not every week, but probably about every other week, here's how she'll react to something like that. She'll say, Daddy, I am mad about you. You are making me very, very angry. And I'll say, well, sweetheart, what is it that I'm doing that is making you angry? And she'll say, Daddy, you are not letting me get my way. I think if all of us were willing to be transparent today, we've had that type of thought towards God. There's been a moment in your life or something that's taken place in your life and it didn't play out the way you thought it should play out. And what you thought in your mind was, I have this figured out and God is missing something. I assure you in that moment when Scarlett is telling me that she's mad about me, she's thinking to herself, I've got this figured out And my dad is missing something. What we can know from Scripture today is that God always knows what is best for us. In every situation, in every decision, in every struggle, in every new opportunity, God is righteous His standard is righteousness. He knows everything. He understands everything. He sees everything. So God always knows what is best for me. That's the first thing we see in this verse about who God is. Here's the second thing. God is kind. Not only is God righteous, knowing what is best for us in every situation. But God is also kind. The second part of the verse says, and kind in all his deeds. The word kind is a word that means merciful or full of mercy. I think the attribute of kindness is underrated in our culture. And I'm saying that from a personal standpoint. When I think about this idea of kindness, I think about smiling a lot, being pleasant with other people, and not really ruffling feathers. It's an attribute, at least in my mind, that is very, very mundane. But as you look at kindness in the scripture, you see something much, much different. You see, the Bible communicates kindness as a God-produced characteristic 
that involves generously caring for others even when they don't deserve it and don't love in return. That's the biblical picture of this attribute of kindness. The first time I ever came to Las Vegas was the spring of 2001. I was a senior in high school, and my home church in southeast Tennessee was a supporting church in planting this church, Hope. And so I came out on spring break on a mission trip. And during that mission trip, we really had two objectives. We were going to pray over the city, and we were going to serve the city. So we prayed a lot during that trip. We would walk up and down streets and neighborhoods. We would pray over parks. We would pray over schools. We prayed a lot during that trip. But the other thing we did is we looked for strategic opportunities to serve people. And one of the ways that we did that is we would go to intersections. uh, And when the light turned red and cars were stopped, we would walk up to the window, knock on the window, hand them a free bottle of water, and give them a card that just says, hey, we're from a new church in your area called Hope Church, and we love you, and walk away. It was amazing to me some of the reactions that we received by simply just handing out free bottles of water. For example, I remember one person, when I handed them the bottle of water, said to me, is this really water? Someone else said to me, how much are you charging? Someone said to me, no thanks, I don't like water. (laughs) Someone else said to me, sir, what did you do to it? And there was this, this shock factor that I may genuinely be walking up to you to give you something free just to bless you. We would call those moments when we would do those types of things random acts of kindness. And still to this day, I'm a big fan of random acts of kindness. When I'm able to do them or when they are done to me. For example, when I'm in a drive-thru somewhere and the person in front of me pays for my meal. I love that. When I get a text message or an email from someone just saying, hey, I just want to encourage you. Thank you for what you do. Or when someone chooses to do something nice for my children. It's awesome. It's an act of kindness. And in that moment, when that happens to me, here's the dominant thought in my mind. You had no obligation to do that, but you chose to do it anyway. That is the essence of kindness. And the Bible tells us here that God is kind. He does merciful things that he is not obligated to do and that we do not deserve. He demonstrates his kindness by his actions for us and to us when he has no obligation to do so. The Bible paints this picture for us in Psalm 116. The Bible says how kind the Lord is. How Good he is. So merciful, this God of ours. God is kind. Here's a biblical reality that helps us understand how his kindness is demonstrated. God's kindness is expressed by how he relates to us and cares 
for us. God's kindness is expressed by how he relates to us and cares for us. I just finished up a book that I've read before, but it's just a really good read. It's called The Holy Wild by Mark Buchanan. And in this book, he tells this story, and I'm going to read a portion of it in just a moment, but it's about the school that was doing a Christmas pageant around the nativity. So when Mary and Joseph were looking for a place to actually, for Jesus to be born, and they couldn't find a place, so they end up in the stable, you may know the story. But there was this one young man named Alf who wanted to be a part of the pageant. The problem is, Alf didn't listen, and he couldn't remember his lines. And so they gave him the role of the innkeeper. And so I want to read for you what Mark Buchanan writes about that, because he writes it better than I can tell it. He said this, All Alf had to do was turn Joseph and Mary away. Foolproof. He had a single line, go away. He had a single gesture, a brisk backward sweep of the arm, a motion of refusal and rejection. He practiced and he practiced, and Alf got it down pretty good. The night of the pageant arrived. Here come Joseph and Mary moving slowly, coats pulled tight around their shoulders, Mary's stomach bulging with child. Alf stands at the innkeeper's door, and Joseph pleads with him. Please, sir, my wife is having a baby. Have you room in the inn? Go away, Alf boomed. Perfect. He sweeps the air with a violent, dismissive gesture. Again, perfect. And Alf slams the door. Perfect. Joseph and Mary turn to leave. But then the door opens again. (laughs) Mary and Joseph turn and look. There's the innkeeper. There's Alf. Weeping, shaking his big, thick head. He cups his hand and curls back his arm towards himself gesturing for them to approach. You can come in, he says. I changed my mind. (laughs) You can have my room. God, in his kindness, did the same thing. He has invited us into a relationship. But not just that. He's invited us into an eternal relationship in which we can relate to him as our father. And he calls us sons and daughters. That's kindness. He wasn't obligated to do it, but he has chosen to do it anyway. God has invited us into a relationship to experience his life on a personal level. He didn't have to, but he chose to. That's kindness. There are five words in the New Testament that describe this relationship or the salvation we experience through Christ into a relationship with God. And here are the five words. Redemption, reconciliation, justification, forgiveness, and adoption. We've been redeemed by the blood of Christ. We've been reconciled into a relationship with God. We've been justified by faith, forgiven of sin, and adopted into 
God's family. God, in his kindness, allows us to relate to him as our father. And we've been accepted into this family for eternity. And God's love for us doesn't go up and down based on our performance. It is a consistent, everlasting love. He allows us to relate to him that way. Look at this statement. As a follower of Jesus, there is nothing I can do to make myself more acceptable or less acceptable to God. That's kindness. Lance Witt wrote a book called Replenish. It's a book I read about every year. And in that book, he talks about this, and I think he said it really well. He said there's a huge difference between being a son or daughter and being an employee. A company has a transactional relationship with an employee. You produce, you're in. You don't produce, you're out. Your compensation is connected to your contribution. But it's different being a son or daughter. You are family. Your place is not dependent on your performance. As a son, my value is intrinsic, not transactional. I want us just to recognize the grace of God, the kindness of God that allows us to relate to him as sons and daughters. He's not just this far off being who is giving us rules and telling us what we should do. He is a dad that we can relate to, we can talk to, and we can walk with. That is the kindness of God being demonstrated. But we see his kindness not only in the way we can relate to him, but also by how he cares for us as his children. Because he cares for us, he provides for us. We talked about this last Sunday. He knows what we need. He knows when we need it. And he promises to give it to us. He provides for us. Because he cares for us, he also directs us. Through his word, through his spirit, through his church, he directs us toward the very best life that he has for us. He directs us. But there's another way that God cares for us that I want to talk about for just a moment that a lot of people do not associate with God's kindness. And it's this. Because he cares for us, he corrects us. You see, sometimes we misunderstand God's actions. When we experience seasons of discipline, we may feel that they are too harsh when it's really evidence of God's loving care for us. He knows more than anyone that sin reaps a painful harvest. So when his children drift into sin, he lovingly corrects us. The discipline of God is really an evidence of his kindness. And here's why. There are areas of my life that would never be conformed to the image of Jesus apart from difficult circumstances. And so God in his kindness provides for us, he directs us, but he also corrects us in order to conform us more into the image of Jesus. You may be walking through a season of God's discipline right now. And I know it's probably difficult, even frustrating, but understand this, even that is evidence 
of God's kindness being demonstrated to Amen. you. So here's, here's how we can apply this, this reality of God being kind. God always does what is best for me. So think about this. Righteousness, kindness. He knows what is best for me because he's righteous. He always does what is best for me because he's kind. In every situation, every moment, every decision, he knows what is best. And he is working toward, as we follow his leadership, bringing about what is best for us. God always does what is best for me. So that's what this verse tells us about God. He's righteous. He knows what is best. And he's kind. He always does what is best. So here's a second question we're going to answer quickly and then finish up. How should we respond to who God is? If that's who he is, that's what these verses tell us about him, how should you and I respond to who he is? Well, very simply, we should acknowledge and embrace that he knows what is best for me and he does what is best for me. I don't know about you, but in even really embracing those two biblical principles, the times in my life when it's hardest to really believe that are times when I'm seeking the Lord through prayer and his response to me on a certain issue or something that I'm desiring is either no or wait. Every time that we call out to God and we ask for something, we're going to get one of three answers. Yes, no, or wait. And it's in the moments when he says to me, no or wait, that I really, really struggle to stand upon these principles today. That he always knows what's best. And he always does what's best for me. I was flying to California last week. And we were on the tarmac here in Vegas. Um, and the flight that we were on got delayed multiple times when we were actually still on the tarmac. There was a gentleman that was sitting across from me, and he was very, very stressed out. He had several connections that he had to make. He had somewhere he had to be, and it reached a point when he stood up, and he kind of had his bag pulled over his arms. He was messing with multiple boarding passes. He went up to the stewardess and just said, you've got to do something to help me. You could just tell he was extremely flustered. And as I just watched him, Obviously, I felt bad for his situation. And then thinking about what we're talking about today, there are multiple times in my life when I've been very flustered spiritually. I've just been wrestling with a lot of different things, and I wasn't in control, and I didn't know where things were going, and God had spoken to me and said either no or wait, and I just didn't know what to do. Here's what I believe. This word today about God always knowing what is best and always doing what is best changes the way that we receive no or wait from him. And moments of uncertainty are always opportunities to press deeper into our love relationship with him. He knows what is best for me. 
and he does what is best for me. We can trust that in every situation. God is righteous and God is kind. Let's pray this morning. We're going to take a few moments now, just like we do every week, to just respond to the Lord. So as you're just sitting there, I want you to just think, how is God speaking to me? What's he impressing on your heart? What has he brought to your mind? You may be here today and you hear us talk about a relationship with God. And you recognize very clearly that you don't have a relationship with God. You may go to church, you may know a couple Bible verses, but you don't have a personal, intimate love relationship with the God of the universe. I want you to know this, God loves you. He passionately loves you. The problem is, as humans, we're sinful. We've made mistakes over and over and over again. We can't meet the standard that God has for a relationship with him. But God in his grace sent his son Jesus to the earth. And Jesus lived a perfect life. And he went to a cross where he was killed. And on that cross, he was the sacrifice for the sins of the world. He was the substitute. See, the Bible teaches us that the wages of sin is death. Sin has to be paid for. And out of love, Jesus chose to pay for the sins of the world. After he was killed on the cross, Jesus was buried. And three days later, he was brought back to life by the power of God. Showing that God the Father was satisfied for that payment for sin. And so today, Jesus stands inviting the world to put their faith in him. And here's what he says he'll do. He'll save us and give us a right relationship with God. Jesus said in John 14, 6, I'm the way, I'm the truth, and I'm the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. If you need a relationship with God today, when we stand and sing, I want to invite you to come forward to one of our pastors and just say, I need Jesus. And we'll connect you with someone who can show you from the Bible how you can begin a relationship with God. For others of us who know Jesus, we're going to use this time just to listen to God. Maybe he's speaking to you about your level of trust in him. Maybe as you hear today that God always knows what is best and God always does what is best. Maybe you struggle with that. Maybe you've got a situation that you're walking through right now and you just need somebody to pray for you. Our pastors would love to pray for you today. If you want to come forward and just kneel down on these steps and just spend some time before the Lord, you feel free to do that. Maybe you have a financial need or a physical need or a relational need, and you just, you just desire somebody today before you leave to pray for you. We would be honored to do that. These are moments for us to respond to the Lord. So God, as we approach this time, we know that you're speaking I pray you would heighten our sensitivity even now to your voice. As some of us sing, as some of us pray, 
God, direct this time. Thank you for your word. Thank you that we can stand upon it. Direct us as we sing and as we respond to you. In Jesus' name I pray.